team. That's a worship team right there. That's not, that's not just some group. That's a worship team. And I praise the Lord for them. I praise the Lord for Pastor Aaron and his leadership there, but uh, everybody that works so hard in, in doing this and not to come in here and put on a show. I know they spend a lot of time preparing their hearts as they come to lead us in worship. They're not here to worship for us. This is not a spectator sport, amen? amen. This is a participating sport. This is, we all get involved in this, and they're just leading us in that. Um, I want to I wanna mention a word real quick, and, and I appreciate Brother Fred mentioning this. Uh, he said, you might want to remind our folks, there's a word that we, we were using back a while back, about a little over a year and a half ago maybe. Haven't used it as much lately, but we're going to have to pull that word out. Y'all remember the word? Scooch. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Scooch. How many of you know what scooch is? How many of you, you don't know what it is, but you got an idea what it is. If somebody says, hey man, you need scooch over, what, what, what do you, what's the idea there, right? It's to move over, right? So here's what, here's what we got to do. We got we to gotta act like we like each other. All right, so um, what I'm going to ask you to do is just be very mindful of the weeks to come. Uh, we, we've got a full house. And, and, but, but as you look around, there's a lot of seats available, but there's a, a pocket of a couple here and a couple there, and it makes it a little harder. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, is as you come in and, and you look around, maybe, maybe scooch toward the middle. Some of you like to sit on the end. Some of you need to sit on the end, but not everybody needs to sit on the end, right? So I get that. So if you need to sit on the end, I understand that. But fill up, let's fill up the rows. Let's act like we like each other, even if you don't. If you got to move, okay? If you got to move somewhere else. I sat down this morning. I came in and Miss, uh, Miss, oh, Miss Glenda back there. I sat by Miss Glenda, and, and she started to scoot over. She said, did I take your seat? I said, no, ma'am, we don't, we don't have that here. We don't have assigned seats, all right? So if you like a seat, you better get in here early and get in it, right? <laughs> Otherwise, don't say a word. Uh, that, that, that'd be a good way to make the picture not happy when you start claiming that's my seat, because no, it's not. It's not. Um, I don't know why I said all that. Scooch over, all right? So just make room. <laughs> Make room. Make room for other people, all right? So when you come in and it's crowded, it, it, it's difficult sometimes. So let's, uh, let's, let's be conscious of that and make it easy for folks as they come in, you know, as the service is starting or, or we have guests or something. We don't want it to be uncomfortable for them. So let's, let's scooch over, all right? Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was this. And so I get a text. I just looked at my phone because I never know when I'm going to get a text from somebody. Sometimes the sound booth will text me with something. And my daughter said she's watching this morning. So I don't know if she's not feeling well, but she's not in, she's not in church. She's watching this morning. She told me she missed me. Isn't that a blessing? Yeah. Isn't that a blessing? I think her aim is getting better, though. I think her aim is getting better. Y'all didn't get that. Something about, about an hour from now, y'all going to figure that one out. Okay. <laughs> But she missed me, but her aim is getting better. All right, so, uh, no, it's, that's a blessing. I, I was, hush, Henry. You're supposed to entertain the old poor preacher up here, you know. All right, so that's a blessing, and, and it kind of t- it touched my heart this morning, so I'm glad she's watching. All right, well, we're, we're going to pick up next week. We will pick up back where we, where we left off with uh, in first Corinthians we'll pick up there in chapter six next week had plenty of time to brew on some that's a great where we're going to be the next couple of weeks there in first Corinthians chapter six if you want to go ahead and read ahead verses nine through the end of the chapter there's a lot of really good stuff that we're going to look at next couple of weeks but today I'm going to kind of I'm I'm going back again to a message that that I preached here early on in my time here, but it kind of follows up what we preached last week. Last week we talked about Peter getting out of the boat and encouraging you to get out of the boat. 
You know, if you want to walk on water, get out of the boat. If you want to see miracles, get out of the boat. If you want to experience God's miraculous work in your life, you got to get out of the boat. You can't continue to hold on to the boat and hold on to that false sense of security, whatever that might be. Whatever your false sense of security is, there's only one thing, one thing that will save, one person only, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So you got to let go of whatever false hope you have and go to Him. But we as believers, we got to get out of our comfort zones too. Peter got out of his comfort zone. Raging storm and he got out of the boat. Walked on the water. Amen? Amen. He walked on the water. And we're going to kind of follow that up this morning because, because something happened, and I'll talk about that later, but something happened with Peter that kind of relates to what we're talking about this morning. But the title of the message this morning is this, The Dangers of Looking Back. The dangers of looking back. We're going to look in chapter 9 of Luke. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 9, we'll be in verses 56, uh, 57 through 62. Uh, we'll be there in just a moment. But uh, preface it with, a little bit with this. So there's some dangers in looking back. Now, the, looking back can be very dangerous, amen? Uh, depending on the situation. When I was a kid, you know, when I was a kid, where I grew up, it, it kind of in rural northeast Georgia, we rode bicycles everywhere. And, and, and some of the roads, I go back now, we were up a couple of weeks ago, and some of the roads we used to ride bikes on, there's no way. I wouldn't ride a bike on those roads now with the amount of traffic. But back in that day, we rode everywhere on our bicycles. There wasn't a whole lot of traffic. But I remember one day in particular, we were riding down this dirt road. Now, when I say dirt road, I don't mean dirt road. I mean Georgia dirt road, which means there's big old rocks in the road. It was just gravel, basically. But on those dirt roads, if you've ever been on those dirt roads, you understand there's a trail where everybody rides, and it's, it's smoother. You know, the, the, the rocks are packed in. We're flying down. And we're, we're, I mean, we're on our bikes going down this long hill on this dirt road. And, and I'm in the lead. You know, I'm up in front. We're always it's competitive. You want to win. And so I look back to see where everybody is. And as I look back this way, all I see is a big rock right where I'm about to be. And you know what happens when a tire on a bicycle hits a big rock in the road. So it turns the handlebars, which turns me over the handlebars. So I, I, there's danger in looking back, okay? You got to be careful. Uh, one of my best friends, and I rode with him last uh, week when we were away. I, I had a chance to ride with him again. It, it, it helped my prayer life, really strengthened my prayer life. Got close to the Lord in that uh, four-hour ride coming back from Alabama. But but Alan, my, my, my best one of my best friends in the world, Alan, he drives, he talks with his hands. Let me say that first, and I probably do as well. But he talks with his hands. He's very expressive, very just lots of. And if you if you shackled his hands, I don't know that he could talk. So it, his hands are are going when he's talking, and his hands are going when he's driving. And I remember years ago riding with him. We're going down the road, down the interstate, and he's looking back. You know, he's looking back, and he's. Both hands now. And he's talking to me with both hands while he's driving, running about 70 down the interstate. Uh, dangerous. Amen? So there's danger in looking back. Snow skiing. You don't want to be looking back snow skiing, right? I mean, Sonny Bono. I don't know. I don't know what he did. I don't know if that's what happened with him. Some of you don't even know. Maybe Sonny Bono. Is it too soon? I don't know. Uh, but Sonny, Sonny Bono, maybe if you're snow skiing, you don't want to look back. It could be, and here's another. Pastor Aaron would understand this one. Uh, uh, bears. If a bear's chasing you, you probably don't want to be looking back, do you? You just want to run. Just, just get going. And if there's somebody with you, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun them, right? So there's danger, there's danger in looking back. And that's kind of the idea of what we're going to share this morning. So let's look in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, speaking to Jesus here, said, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. 
And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You know, I don't know the, the, the full context. I don't know what that guy was saying, but we hear a lot of that today. That very conversation goes on today with people saying, Lord, I'll follow you. Lord, I'd love to be on staff at a big old church. Lord, I'd love to have this powerful ministry. I'd love to, 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 to the, the glory and the, and the prestige that comes with that. I'd love that, Lord. And the Lord says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not to where, where to lay his head. It's not so easy. You follow me, it's not so easy. I don't even have a home to go to. That's what he was saying. Verse 59, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, when you understand the context of this, most, most commentators would, are kind of in agreement here that this man's father wasn't yet dead. It wasn't that he had died and the Lord's saying, hey, you're, I know your dad died. Come follow me now. Just come on. You, you forget everything. No, that wasn't the case. This man wanted to go back and stay with his family until his father died. And perhaps it's because of what he just heard. You know, it's a tough life if you're going to follow the Lord. It's not riches and glory and fame. It's not all of that. And, and, and so maybe he wanted to go back until his father died. And when his father died, he got his inheritance. Then he would have something to live on. He had something to fall back on. I don't know. I'm just reading in color. I'm speculating on what might have been going on in his head. But the Lord says, uh, suffer. he says, let me first go back and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. That's what he told this man. Verse 61, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. You know, their heart wasn't truly in, in following the Lord. They all had an excuse here for following the Lord. And we come to verse 62. And Jesus makes a very profound statement. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, Randy Dixon, amen? Randy and I talk about putting the hand to the plow. He'll never forget that day. He came down here and put his hand to the plow. Folks, when we put our hand to plow, Jesus says, no man having put his hand to the plow. When you put your hand to plow with the Lord, when you decide you're going to follow him, you, you yoke up with the Lord, you come into a relationship with him, you've decided you're going to serve him, you're going to live for him. He says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So we want to look at that this morning. We want to look at this idea of looking back, the dangers of looking back. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'll bless now in this time as we, as we look into your word, as we look into this topic, the dangers that are there for us looking back. Father, it is a true and a real danger. And, and we, can blame, uh, we can blame Satan, we can blame other people, but ultimately it's on us, Lord. It's, 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 uh, it's us. It's what's going on inside of our own hearts. So, Lord, as we look at this topic this morning, I pray you'll use it. Father, guide my thoughts, guide my speech. I pray that you'll just bless in this time. And, Lord, I know every person here, every person here is an individual. We're unique. And everybody here is in a different place. I pray, Lord, the Holy Spirit of God will use the powerful Word of God to speak to their hearts. And that, Lord, you'll challenge us, convict us, encourage us, whatever it is we need, Lord. I pray today you'll do that work in our heart, in our life. And that, Lord, you'll draw us closer to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now, so 
to define this, to get an idea of this, what is looking back? So we're talking about what is looking back. It's this, uh, verse, again, verse 62, And Jesus said to him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So we as believers, this is really this idea of we as believers, we're yoked up with the Lord, we've got our hand on the plow, we're serving the Lord, we're, we're following Him. And, and there's this, this, this picture of looking back. Well, you can't, you can't plow a straight row if you're looking back. There's a lot of things that go wrong when you're looking back. But here's the idea of this. So what is looking back? Looking back is longing for what was. It's just longing for what was, what I had in my life, what I had before or how it was before. And, and, if, and if we as believers, you know, if we say, oh, I've never done that, I've never, I've never, I think, you're, I think we're deceiving ourselves if we say that. I think, I think we're, we're, we're missing because I think that's a struggle that all of us can face. I had a friend in high school that he, 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 um, he made a profession of faith right out of high school and, and really got his life, I mean, turned around. He was going on mission trips. He was singing in the choir. He was active in the, in the, in the young adult group that, and, and just on fire for the Lord. And I remember talking with this young man and, and, and sharing with him, and he, and he came into a time where he began to lament, and he began to, uh, 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 he longed for the old life. He longed for the things that were. The, this Christian life wasn't as exciting. It wasn't as fun. It was, and there was, a, there was a long, so that's a danger of looking back. It's that longing for what maybe was in the past. It also could be a longing for or wondering about what could have been. Yeah, as a as a Christian, we go, man. What if what if what if I hadn't done this? What if, where where I might be now? What I might have now if I had just not done that? If I had just not served the Lord? You know, it'd be easy for for pastors, and I think sometimes pastors struggle with that. There are pastors that struggle all their ministries. They struggle financially, and and the Lord, the, the, not the Lord, but Satan will use things to discourage pastors, discourage missionaries, and like, wow, you could have done this, or you could have that. We got a young lady that was here just a few weeks ago. She's in Thailand now. She sent us a, sent me a text, and and she said, "Let the church know I'm adjusting well. Things are going great. Uh, I'm loving the challenge of of the new life here, learning the language, all of those things." She said, "Thank the church for praying." Ask them to continue to pray. And uh, Camilla, Camille, Camille, Camilla, Cammy. So Cammy. So so uh, she's just excited about that. But it, but you heard the story. Cammy Cammy's got a brain. She's got a Ferrari engine under the hood. I mean she's she's super intelligent. Wanted to be an astronaut. And she walked away from that. And the danger is Satan's going to say to her at some point, oh, you could have been in space. You could have been famous. You could be, you could be making all this money. You could have all these easy things. Satan's going to tempt her with that. And what are we going to do with that? Are we going to look back and long for what could have been had I not been following the Lord? If I not been doing what God wanted me to do? It could also be a longing for or wondering about, wondering about what could be. Well, you know what? I mean, it's at this point, it's not too late. I could go and do this. I could make a whole lot of money doing that. Or I could have that job doing this. You know, I deserve that. I've shared the story. I've shared the story, and I won't name the name. Uh, Henry knows who I'm talking about. Good friend of mine who walked away from the ministry. He's walked away from his family. And I see him on Facebook now, and he's, he's, he's absolutely washed his hands 
of his children, his adopted children, his wife, that just totally abandoned them. She, they've divorced. She since has remarried. I see him. He's in Atlanta at the football game, the Georgia game yesterday, coming from all the way from the West Coast over here with his new girlfriend, with his new business, making lots of money, promoting it all on faith. And he's living that. That's that longing and looking back. And, and there's this, this longing. That's, that's looking back, folks. It's what, it's what can happen. See, the first step toward compromising in our walk with God is looking back. And it's an attitude of our heart. I don't know of anybody. And I've known, I've known several people in ministry. I've known folks outside of ministry who fail in immorality. I don't know of a one of them who, who the story was, you know what, I was walking with God, I was reading His Word, I was praying every day, and I woke up one morning and said, you know what, I'm going to go have an affair today. That, that never, that's never the case. There is a looking back. There is a longing for what was or could have been or what could be. There's something that starts in the heart, and it begins that slipping or that sliding or what we might call backsliding. You may be sitting here today, and I'd ask you a simple question. Are you, has there been a time in your life where you were closer to the Lord than you are right now? You know, I've heard it said, when, then if that's the case, then you're backslidden. You have slidden back from where you were with the Lord at one time. We, we've gotten away, and it's, it can happen. We can, we, can, we can begin that slide, that drifting away, and it all starts with a look. Some in Scripture who looked back. We know the story of John Mark. It's Barnabas' his, his nephew, and John Mark went with Paul. He was with Barnabas and Paul, and he set out with them on the first missionary journey, but he looked back. Now, we don't, we don't know why. There's speculation. Some speculate that his mother was ill and he had to go back. I don't know what the, the, the scriptures don't give us the reason John Mark turned back, but he did, Acts 13, 13. Now, when Paul and his party set sail for uh, Pathos, uh, they came to Perga in Pamphylia and John and John here, John Mark and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. He turned back. He was on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, this incredible thing, and he abandoned them and, and, and he abandoned Paul and Barnabas at the very beginning of this journey. They were counting on him. They were, they were, he was a big part of that team. He was a support. He was a help. And he turned back from them. And, and we don't know why he did that, but we do know that Paul would have no part of him going on the second missionary journey. And Paul was, I, I, you got to understand at that point, you look at this and go, whatever the reasoning was, it doesn't seem to be some major, I mean, you'd have to imagine if his mother was ill and he had to get back, he would, that Paul would have been understanding of that. Paul wasn't understanding. Whatever the reason was, Paul said he's not going with us on this second trip. And he and Barnabas, you know, split at that point. But, but here's what's incredible is Barnabas took John Mark, and, and restored him in ministry, whatever the situation was. And later on, we'll find where Paul looks back and he says, John Mark, bring him. He's profitable for me. He, he, the, the relationship had been mended. John Mark was serving the Lord. So whatever, he, whatever the situation was there, it wasn't a fatal situation. It wasn't a final situation. He came back to the Lord, but he did look back. There was some reason he turned back. Now, Demas, we do know why he turned back. We know of Demas. 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. 
having loved this present world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, listen, the love of the Father is not in him. What a scary thought that is, folks. We blow right over that. We, we often love and embrace the things of this world. And the scriptures make it clear. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so Demas loved this world. I, I, Demas, Demas sounds to me like my, my friend from high school. Who, who he loved the world. He wanted to go back to the world, and he went back to the world. And I can tell you, the end of the story for him was terrible because he was in a wreck. He went off to college, and he got into anything and everything. And he was off riding back roads in a Jeep. He was the only one in the Jeep with a seatbelt on, and he flipped the Jeep, and it pinned him against a tree, killed him instantly. Everybody else that was in the Jeep walked away unscathed. I believe with all my heart the Lord took him home. You're not going to convince me otherwise. I believe he turned, he went back to the world. He had a love for this present world like Demas. We have Lot's wife. She looked back. Lot's wife, you know the story there, Genesis 19, 26. but, But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. You know that. That's not a... That's not a made-up story. That's not some fairy tale story. She turned to a literal pillar of salt. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that. It's exactly what the Bible says, and that's exactly... I'm going to explain that into something else. She turned into a pillar of salt. She was warned not to look back, and she did look back, and God turned her into a pillar of salt. But, God, uh, but Lot's wife is only a tragic part of that whole story. We know Lot, Lot was a saved man, but Lot made some grave mistakes. He looked back. He, he looked on things with carnal, temporal eyes, not with spiritual eyes. Uh, and it all starts, all of that starts with a look back. Now I want to try to illustrate this a little bit. Henry will love this part. If he remembers this message, he'll love this part. He loves, he loves bugs and things like that, so he'll love this. But I want to illustrate this looking back and what goes on when we, when we look back. All right, so there's a, there's a wasp. There's a wasp in Costa Rica. And it's, it's called, they're just calling it at least, I don't know what they're calling it now. When I did the research on this in the past, they, this thing was, they just called it a spider wasp. And what it does is there's a particular spider in Costa Rica and it makes a, it's an orb spider. And they call it that because it's, it's web is just a perfect circle. And it makes that that web every night. Every night that web comes down and it makes a brand new web. Spends the whole night making this perfect orb web to catch its meals in and all that. Well, here's what happens. This spider wasp will come and sting that, that, that spider. It'll sting it and it kind of... You know, it kind of paralyzes the spider. And then the wasp will lay a larva on the top of its abdomen, lays this little egg there. And as the egg begins to grow, as that larva begins to grow, it it somehow punctures a couple of holes in the abdomen of that spider. And it begins to feast and eat on the juices. Y'all are liking this now, aren't you? The juices from this spider. But that's not all that's going on. Here's what's crazy about this, because they call it, it's like a zombie. I mean, we all know about zombies. That's the big thing, walking dead and all. But this thing, literally, the larva literally takes over the mind of this spider. And what it does is is somehow, through those holes where it is actually eating the spider alive, it is putting something in the spider and it takes over the spider's mind. So here's how that looks. The spider 
every night is creating this web. Five, five main steps in making this web. Well, what happens is as it takes over the mind of this spider, it bypasses, and now all of a sudden the spider is only doing two of the five steps. It's, it's hijacked its brain. It's, it's the craziest thing you've ever heard of, that, that some mind control on a spider. And so what it does now is it just does the first two steps in the process over and over again, and it creates a bridge between two things. It creates this bridge, and it refortifies. It just goes over and over, makes it super strong, and then it creates a cocoon, in, in there, and what happens is the last night, the last night when that spider is the the the, the larva is going to kill the spider. He, it causes it then everything's been built. It's off the ground, away from the ants. It's 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 waterproof. It's windproof. It's strong. It's going to hold up. Now that that wasp, that larva's got a place to. To, to feast and to grow, and it'll kill. Then it'll go in this cocoon down there, and it kills the spider, and then, of course, it's going to feast on the spider. So we see what happens is there's the sting. It lays the larva on there. It takes over its mind, not only its mind, but its actions. It affects all of that and ultimately leads to death. And you go, how in the world? What a story. But it does, it relates to this because, look, that look back that we're talking about, looking back, it's like the sting of that spider wasp. It's that sting. It's that laying of that, of that egg right there. There's a seed that's been laid. There's an egg that's been laid. And that desire will grow inside of you and it will begin to eat you up and it'll, it'll take over you. It'll take over your thoughts and it'll take over your actions and then it will lead to death. That's the dangers of looking back. We know in James chapter 1, verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. We want to blame everybody. We, make, we mess up. We, we, we get tempted in something. Some want to blame God. Some want to blame the devil. Flip Wilson always said, the devil made me do it. The devil never made you do anything. There is, there is nothing that you ever do that you don't want to do. It, it, it's, it's you. Verse 14, James says, But each one is tempted, each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desires and enticed. It's your own desires that draw you away. It, it's something that's already in there. It's, it's what we already have a desire alike for. We're not tempted by things that we don't already desire. Um, how many of you are ever tempted by fruitcake? I mean, I could, I could probably be starving to death. I'm not sure I'd want to eat a fruitcake. Uh, it, it, it's just, there's not something I have a desire for. But you bake a cake and bring it in the house, we got problems. We got problems. Because I have a desire in there. I got a 350-pound man inside of me who wants out. I want that cake. I love that cake. Now, Raymond, on the other hand, Raymond, you don't eat sugar, do you? Raymond doesn't eat sugar. You put a cake on the table, he, it'll sit there and rot. Raymond, not, he's not, sugar don't bother him. He's got his own things, I'm sure. He's got his own things. He's not perfect, folks. Close. <laughs> he's not perfect. But he, but he doesn't eat the junk, and it, you can tell, man, he's healthy, and like me, you know. So, um, but it, it's, we're drawn away by the, the thing that's already in us, the desire we have, and we each have those, and we've got to be aware of what that is. Verse 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. It's a picture. 
It's just like that spider wasp. That's going to grow, that desire. If we don't keep it in check, we don't keep it before the Lord, we don't keep it confessed, we don't, we don't, we don't keep our focus on living right, doing right, and not giving in to those, those temptations, those desires, because it's desires we have in us that draw us away. And then those desires, when conceived, give birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now, Lot, going back to Lot, Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld all the plain of Jordan. He looked on that with carnal eyes. He looked on what was best for Lot. And, and he should have, at that point, submitted to Abraham and said, no, you take. You take the better. You choose, not me. And, and he didn't do that. Then we find he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And then later we find that he sat at the gate of Sodom. Lot moved right into Sodom. But his compromise and his drifting away from God all began with a look back. Began with a look back. It began with looking through carnal eyes. Now, who's impacted by looking back? Now, here's the lie that we get. And it's a lie of the pit of hell that, that my actions do not affect anyone else. That's the lie people want to give. You know, it's, it's not hurting anyone. You know, what I'm doing, it, it's just between me and, and it's just between me. It's me, you know, me and the Lord or me and whoever. It, it, it doesn't affect anybody else. Folks, that's a lie. Our actions always, 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 always affect somebody else. Always. Don't think that you, what you're doing, especially when we get into sin, that it's not affecting somebody else. So how does it affect? Well, it affects, it affects us personally. John Mark lost time and opportunity that he could never get back. Now we know that he came back and he served in ministry and he was profitable for the Lord. He was profitable for Paul, but he missed out. Look, folks, he missed out on the, maybe the greatest missionary journey ever. And we still talk about Paul's first missionary journey as he and Barnabas go out and all that went on in that journey. Paul, uh, John Mark was a part of that. He missed out on that because he looked back. Lot's wife lost her very life. Looking back affects you. And it cost her her life. It affects our family and friends. Well, again, here's Lot and he lost his wife. She died because, of, because it began long ago with his looking back. They wouldn't have been in that place in that time if it had not been for that. She looks back, she dies. Some of his family died in Sodom and Gomorrah. Some of his friends died in Sodom and Gomorrah. And his daughters, probably influenced by the environment that they were raised in, committed terrible sin. Later, just, just, just right past this story, we find that, the terrible sin of incest that they commit. So it affects our family and our friends. It affects our ministry. Demas lost his ministry and the opportunity to impact lives for Christ. He lost his influence in this lost world. Now, I don't know whether Demas was saved or not. I, I, I've got my, I, my thoughts there, but, but there are a lot of people who followed the Lord, and when things got tough, they turned away. They quit following him. They went away and he even asked his disciples at one point, said, are you going to leave me as well? Are you going to turn away? Because it got too hard, man. I can't do that. I can't do that, Lord. So eh, I'm, not, I'm not keen with following you at this point. So I don't know whether Demas was lost or not, but I know this. He was in ministry. He was serving there with Paul. And if he was a saved man, he lost his ministry. He lost his influence. Don't think for a second that you can walk hand in hand with this world and still have a positive influence for the kingdom of God. This world around us is watching. 
It's watching how we live our lives. It's watching the things we say and the things that we do. And when we, our lives don't look any different than theirs, we're not going to have any influence with them. We're, a, we're supposed to be a peculiar people. We're supposed to be a royal priesthood. We're supposed to be different. There should be something different about us that the world around us, when they look at us, they see different. They, and they want to be a part. They want that. You know, many who once had great ministries, great ministries, great, uh, uh, we, they were you know, men and women that were admired for their faith. I think of more men in this regard. I can name, I'm not going to name names. Could. But we, we know a lot of you would, would think of some, a couple of men immediately that recently, because of sin that was hidden in their lives, sin of, of looking back and going back to the old life, brought down their ministries, brought down their legacies, their reputations are ruined. Ministry is, is, is done, lost their ministry because of, of sin and then hidden sin in their life. Um, folks, if we, if we begin to look back and we're not careful, we're not guarded, you know what? We're, we're going to fall prey to the wiles of the devil. We've got to guard against that. So how do we avoid looking back? How do we do this? Well, it's a choice. It really is a choice because we do not have to, this doesn't have to happen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, This I say therefore and testify of the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ." If indeed, again, here's the ifs. There's a lot of if statements that are made in Scripture about the, the if relationship with God. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And, and, it, and, and the scriptures tell us there, and I've, I've done this before, I've shown you this before, but it's, it, we're to take off the old man. It, it says it, take off the old man, put off the old man, put it away from you. It's a choice that we make. I'm going to put the old life aside and I'm going to put the new life on, the new man. I'm going to walk in this. It's a conscious thing. We get up in the morning and we, we crucify the flesh. We, we commit ourselves to walk in the spirit that we not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a conscious decision. We do not have to sin. We can put off the old, put on the new. Romans 6 to 18, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now that verse says, and having been set free from sin. Folks, we have not been set free to sin, as many believe. Well, I'm a believer. My sin's forgiven me. I can live like I want to. And, and, and it's, it's all been forgiven. It's all taken care of. That's not what that says. We have been, we are free from sin. We're no longer a slave to sin. We don't have to sin. We don't have to give in to those things. We can live a life of righteousness. You became slaves of righteousness. So not free to sin, but free from sin. 
So here's some things we can do. Three things I'm going to list. Number one is cut ties. Cut ties. Hernando Cortez. Many of you probably have heard that name. You go, I've heard it somewhere. Where did I hear it? It goes back to history a long, long time ago. Hernando Cortez, Spanish conquistador. He landed on the Yucatan in Mexico in, in 1519. Legend tells us, and I've read things that say this isn't true, but I like I liked the story, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Legend tells us that he ordered his men to burn the ships. Y'all have heard this. Burn the ships. And he told the men, he says, if we go home, we'll go home in their boats. If we're gonna go home, if you wanna see home again, we're gonna go in their boats. And what they do, they conquered the Aztecs, something no one had done in 600 years. They conquered the Aztecs. So Cortez took away the option for failure. He took away any option of failure. No crutch, no safety net, no safe zone, no backup plan, no choice but to be victorious. Victory or death, that's really what they faced. And I think about scripturally, how does that relate? Elisha, think of the story of Elisha. We read earlier of those who said, Lord, let me go back and bury my father who's not yet dead. I don't think his father was going to be real happy with that, was he? But let me go back and bury my father. They wanted to wait. I'll follow you later. Elisha didn't do that. Elijah comes along, calls him to follow him, and, and, and read in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 and 20, we see Elisha does this. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back to, to, from him and took a yoke of oxen. Now, when you read earlier in the story, we find, when we first see Elisha, we see him, he's plowing with these yokes of oxen. He's got all these oxen. He's a farmer. That's his livelihood. That's how he survives, is farming. He's plowing these oxen. And he goes back, and he took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. So he took the yoke, the wooden yoke, he took the wooden utensils, he took the plows, he took everything that was his tools, and he used that to, to kindle the fire that he used to cook the oxen. And gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. What did he do? He burned his business. He said he took away his safety net. It wasn't I'll go back and wait till I get my inheritance, then I'll follow you, then I'll, then I'll have it, I'll have easy street. It'll be, it'll be great. You, know, I'll stay. you might sleep out where there's no bed. You might be out there, but I'm going to be in the nicest hotel in town. That's what I'm, you know, that wasn't his mentality. He went and he burned, he, he burned his business. He just burned it down. He fed the people with what he had. He threw a big party and said, see ya, I'm going to serve the Lord. And he did that. He didn't have a backup plan. No safety net. There was no going back for Elisha. He was all in. There was nothing to go back to. Folks, maybe you need to burn some ships. Maybe there's some relationships that you need to, you need to burn those relationships. Friends, boyfriend or girlfriend that push you to compromise. Cut ties. Cut those ties. Don't linger in a, in a relationship where someone's trying to get you to do what you know is wrong. Cut ties with that. Maybe it's a job, and, and there are jobs that the requirements of the job are sinful. If you're going to be successful, you've got to lie. You've got to take these people out to certain types of clubs and spend a bunch of money on them to get their business and sale. I hear a lot of that in sales 
the immoral things that have to go on if they're going to be successful in sales. Maybe there's something where you need to cut ties with that job. Stand for what's right. There's testimony you guys are going to hear at some point about a couple in our church who took a stand on their convictions, lost their jobs, and God provided them with better jobs. Because they took a stand. They just trusted the Lord. We don't know what we're going to do. And the story goes, as they tell, tell me the story, as I understand it, they continued to tithe even after they lost their jobs. Well, do I tithe on the net or the gross? Well, they had neither, and they were still tithing. Hmm. Uh, maybe you need to cut ties with some entertainment. Alan Reynolds, y'all remember Alan? Mm -hmm. You know, Alan, that guy. Alan said this one time. He told me, he said, uh, it's amazing how much we are willing to compromise to be entertained. We allow, we allow into our home on a, on a box, on a TV, language that if someone were using that language in our house, we'd throw them out. And we allow it in. <laughs> it's a funny show, though. But it's not. So maybe we need to be careful with the entertainment. Maybe there's some, we need to cut some ties with the entertainment in our life. Hobbies and pastimes. You know, my first pastor... When I first got saved, we, we had a church softball team. We had a church basketball team. And sometimes his old nature would flare up. I mean, he was super competitive. He would get argumentative. I thought one time he was going to get in a fight on the softball field. And what I found out later on was that before he got saved, sports was his life. Baseball was his life. I mean, that's, that's what he wanted to do. And it was his God. He even said that. He said, sports was my God. So he had to be very careful because it's easy to get pulled right back into that. Maybe it's a sport that you need to give up. Maybe it's hunting or fishing. I know, I know I'm meddling now. <laughs> or, or golf. Maybe I'm, I'm really meddling now. Um, it, it, you know, a hobby is great, great. We need some ways to go out and relax. But, but you know what? A hobby can turn into an idol real quick. A, 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 a hobby can become something that comes between us and the Lord. Folks, youth sports today, youth sports pull more families out of church because we got ball games on Wednesday, we got practices on Wednesday, we got this on Sunday, and we miss church for, for sports. And, and I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing at all. And I watched in Indiana, we had a family that would miss half the year travel ball, playing softball. Half the year they would be out of church. Whole family. It was all about getting a scholarship. And, and they did. They got a scholarship. Spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to get a scholarship. You might could have paid for school. I mean, they took the basement of their house and totally renovated the basement to become a training center for their daughter to be... A, to play softball, fast pitch softball. And she was a pitcher. She was good. She got a full ride scholarship to Emory Riddle over here. Full ride. Played one year and quit. Had enough. Had enough. So now they're paying for school and they paid to, they paid for their program to get a scholarship and then they paid for the school too. So, and, and she's not in school, uh, not in church faithful now because it's been modeled that something else is more important. Folks, it's, it's a, it can be a, a dangerous thing. So maybe, maybe we need to cut ties with that. You know, it could be something is, something made me smile this morning and then I realized I shouldn't be smiling. I saw a truck come by, a black truck. It had two flags waving, had stickers on the side. They were, they were rejoicing and it was Georgia. It was Georgia. I don't put it in that. Well, I do have a bumper sticker on my car now, but it's about to come off. But, I mean, they're waving. They're, they're, they're like, man, they go, wow, Georgia won! Great. 
Now, I got papers. I'm like, I'm like that, that Yorkie dog that ain't full-blooded Yorkie. I'm not sure he's, he's full-blooded Yorkie. I'm full-blooded. I was born in Athens. I was raised in Athens. I was, I was indoctrinated at the University of Georgia. I was 12 years old when Herschel Walker came along. I mean, that was my idol in my life as, as a kid, the Georgia Bulldogs. You know what? They won a big game yesterday. Ain't nobody going to heaven and ain't nobody going to hell based on what happened on that football field yesterday. It's just a football game. I enjoy it. I like to watch it. I'm proud of the Gators. They pulled out a big one last night. Proud. I'm happy for you guys. Kentucky, I think, even won. I think everybody represented here. Alabama squeaked one out. They won one, Gary. You got your Alabama. But you know what? Those are, it's fun. It's fun until it ain't fun, until it becomes an idol in our lives and it becomes between us and the Lord. And we have to be careful with that. I was just back up in Athens. I mean, it is, it's idolatrous. I went to the university bookstore. There's 5 million G logos in that store. Everything's red. And those, it's just idolatry. People are going to put their money. They're going to spend their money there. They're going to go worship at the temple of Sanford Stadium. Worship. And they're going to sing their songs of glory to this sports team. But I thought, those folks are waving those flags this morning. Man, we don't wave Christian flags. We ought to be shouting about what Jesus did for Amen. us. Amen? Yeah. We're so sanctified. We don't even get excited about what the Lord's done for us. Maybe we need to cut some ties with some of those things. Second thing is set your focus, okay? So you got to set your focus. We got to cut some ties. We got to set our focus. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set, listen, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It doesn't say we can't enjoy some things on the earth and, and some things that we have here. We, you know, you enjoy your home, you enjoy a car. I mean, there's things you can enjoy, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be so, we're so concerned with things that we get our mind and our heart off of God. Amen? Amen. Set your affection. Our affection needs to be on Him. On Him, set it on things above, not on things on the earth. So we got to look ahead. Set your sights on heaven, on eternity with God. Verse 3, 4, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So we got to look ahead. Now, how do we do that? How do we set our focus and look ahead? Well, in order to do that, one of the things we need to do is we need to remember the past. Now, there's a sport that uh, there's, it comes every four years, well, I guess it's every two years. We have the Winter Olympics, then we have the Summer Olympics. So they rotate every four, the summer and the winter. But there are sports that we watch once every four years that we don't even care about. How many of you watch curling? <laughs> I do. When the Olympics are on, I mean, I can't get enough. They, they got the rooms out there. and Yes! Yeah, oh, man! And it's incredible, right? We watch, we get all excited about something that when the Olympics are over, I mean, we're like, curling? What? But we're, but we're all into it. So we, 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 we watch this. There's another sport in the Olympics called rowing. Or cr crew, I guess they call it. Crew. But rowing. And they have these team events. Have you ever noticed when they're, when they're doing that? I mean, it's pretty cool because they're in absolute unity. Absolute. Great teamwork. There's a lot of things you can learn from that. But there's an interesting thing about rowing that we can apply to our lives. If we're going to go right, if we're going to focus in the right direction, in the right way, stay on task, focus... In rowing, here's what they have to do. In order to go straight, 
they have to focus on some point, some reference point behind them. They have to focus on that. And that's their reference point. They can't look over here because next thing they'll be this way or that way. They have to pick a point and they focus on that point and they, and they row to that. Folks, here's what we need to do. We've got to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. We focus on the cross. We focus on what Jesus did for us there. We focus on that empty tomb. We focus on where we came from. Man, don't ever forget where you came from. If you're born again, you ought to well up when you think about where I was and now where I am in Christ. Amen. If that doesn't stir your emotions, I don't know that you got anything. Because you were going to hell. Hell. <laughs> hell. You're going to hell. You got to know where you came from. You got to remember that. Focus on that. Remember your sin. Remember your salvation. Remember your calling. Remember these things. Focus on that so that you go in the right direction. So that then you can focus on the Lord. Your eyes are on Him. You're moving in the right direction. You got to focus on those things. Set your focus. Third thing is this make the commitment. You got to make the commitment. You got to nail it down. Daniel 1 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He purposed in his heart. What did he do? He made a commitment. Daniel, Daniel didn't wait till the situation arose and go, I, you know, what do I do here, Lord? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my conviction is. No, Daniel had a conviction and he was, he was set in that. He purposed in his heart that he was going to eat the right things, he was going to drink the right things, he wasn't going to partake of the king's table, he wasn't going to pollute himself that way. He purposed in his heart. He made a decision. He made a commitment. Joseph did the same thing. We don't read it that way, but we know that jo if Joseph had not been committed, if he had not driven that nail down, that spike down, and said, I am not backing up from the Lord. I'm doing what's right. Then when, then when Potiphar's wife came along, he might not have fled from there. He said, I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to sin against, against him. I'm not going to sin against my God in doing this great wickedness. I'm not going to do it. Made a commitment. Daniel made a commitment. Commit to the right things. Make that commitment, folks. Read the Word of God daily. Spend quiet time talking to God daily. Guard your heart daily. These are the things we have to do. Now, how many of you have ever heard of P90X? How many have heard of P90X? Healthiest I've ever been in my life was 10 years ago maybe. Maybe a little longer. 10, 12 years ago. Gina and I were doing P90X every day. I mean, we, we, I'd come home. I'd come home from work. I'd come right home because I knew we were going to work out. And I, it was the healthiest I'd ever been in my life. It was, it was good. Now, I'm not taking my theology from P90X or Beachbody. But I do want to tell you this because they have a slogan that I think would apply well for us. Their slogan is this. Decide, commit, succeed. Look, if you don't, if you don't decide that I'm going to serve God... I'm going to be faithful. If you don't make that decision, if you don't purpose in your heart, you know what? You're walking, you're walking kind of aimlessly and you're, and you're leaving yourself open. You've got to make a decision and you've got to commit to it. I'm going to walk with God. 
I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to live how I'm supposed to live. I'm going to live by the word of God. I'm not just going to say I believe that the word of God is the authority for my life. I'm going to live as though the authority, uh, the, the word of God is the authority for my life. I'm going to obey what it says. I'm going to learn what it says. I'm going to do what it says. I'm going to obey the word. And it, it's that deciding and committing. And folks, and when we do that, when we live by the word of God, we can succeed. We can walk. We can walk in, in the, with the Lord. We can walk in that way. Amen? Amen? Pastor Aaron, you and the team can come. I'm wrapping up right here. So last week we talked about Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water. And Peter, here's what, here's what he did that relates to today. Peter looked back. He looked back. Now, perhaps he looked back briefly to the false security of the boat. Perhaps he looked back with regret for getting out of the boat to start with and, and, and getting in this situation. He's like, man, I'm out here. I'm out here in the wind and the waves and the lightning. What am I doing? He might have looked back with a little bit of regret for, for getting out of the boat. And what did he do? See, he, he slipped. He slipped and, and he began to sink. But here's what Peter did. He called on the Lord. He said, Lord, save me. Peter said, Lord, Save me. This morning, if you're sitting here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the prayer for salvation is that simple. When the Lord convicts your heart and you understand that you are a sinner, your sin separates you from God, and because of that sin, you are bound for hell. You're bound. You're going. If you were to die in your sin, that's where you'll spend eternity. But Christ came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross of Calvary, bore your sin and my sin, became our sin for us, died for that sin. He paid the penalty of our sin and he rose again from the dead. He has done everything that needs to be done. And he says, will you come? Will you come? Maybe you're challenging this morning if you're lost and say, Lord, if it really is you, bid me come. And you know what Jesus would say? Come on. Come, come, come. I'll give you a new life. Come, I'll forgive your sin. Come, I'll make you a new creature. I'll make you a new creation. All things will pass away. All things will become new. Come, come to me. Believer, maybe you've slept a little. Maybe, maybe you've looked back. Doesn't mean you've fallen into sin, but maybe, maybe your heart's longing for what could have been or what could be or what was. There's only one way to deal with it. Scientists have discovered, going back to that spider wasp, they've discovered that on the night that that, that larva kills the spider, on that night, if the, the scientists can go in there and take that spider and they'll remove that larva from the abdomen of that spider. And they'll put it back. And that spider will do what it did the night before. It'll make that strange web. And the next night, it'll probably do that again, make that strange web. But the next night, it's like, it's like, it's like the prodigal son comes to himself. And his, and his head clears up. And he goes back to doing what he does. For us, maybe this morning we need to come to the Lord and ask him to remove that, that sting, 
that longing, that looking back, whatever it may be in our, in our hearts this morning, whatever it might be that might be hindering us, might be pulling on us to slip back into the old life. Now's the time to deal with it. And the Lord can deal with it. The Lord can take care of that. We need to come and confess that. So the altar's open this morning. Maybe you want to come and pray. Maybe you want to talk to him. Maybe you want to pray for someone else. Maybe they're, listen, I've preached this message and the Lord may be dealing with you on something that has nothing to do with what I preach. That's the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God. But if God's working on your heart this morning, I encourage you to come and just spend some time at this altar. This morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to come forward. I want you to come. Just come down here. We'll take the Word of God. We'll, we'll, we'll just share the gospel with you and introduce you to Christ this morning. I, I beg you. I plead with you. Come to the Lord. Father God, I pray that you'll bless, you'll work, you'll move.